Uh, for those of you who I've not had the privilege of meeting, my name is Mike. It's that if you've met me too. But um, I, I just, uh, we're starting a new series today that we're calling For Better or Worse. So as soon as you heard that, you realized that for today and the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about love, to love, marriage. Someone else said it. Yeah. Right. We're going to be talking about marriage, and we're going to be looking at some of the key characteristics that touch on marriage. Now, I want to acknowledge something that's pretty obvious, and that's this, that as soon as we say we're going to be talking about marriage, I know something that most of you in the room have some sort of reaction to that. Now, it may be that you are like happily married and you're like, this is awesome. I love talking about marriage. I want to make my marriage better. It may be the kind of thing where you grew up watching your parents struggle to have healthy relationships. Maybe it was hard on you and your siblings. Maybe you're in a tough spot in in your marriage right now. Maybe you're like, I'm not ever getting married. So, here's what I want, want to acknowledge. There's a statistic that I read that is fascinating to me, and it's this. Let me, let me say it kind of anecdotally. If you, in 1972, if you were to take a random sampling of 10 people, just collect 10 people off the street, seven of those 10 people would be married, about 72 or 73%. In 2018, if you did the same process and you randomly selected 10 people off of the street, in 2018, those adults would yield four married people. So I just made your point if you have a bad attitude about talking about marriage, right? Because we understand marriage is becoming less of a lot of things for a lot of people. But the reason I share that with you is this, because I want you to realize that I realize that I'm probably speaking to less than, or at most, half of the people here, if I'm only talking about marriage. But while we're having a marriage series, I'm not just going to be talking about married people. Who am I going to be talking about? I am going to be talking about people who are happily married and people who are maybe not so happily married, people who are considering getting married or getting married again, or people who were married, or people who are, you know, still thinking the other sex has cooties. You know? I'm going to be talking about all of this because marriage is a relationship, and relationship principles cross boundaries. And here's what I want us to understand, that there are key core principles in every single relationship that are shared. Now, you could argue, and we could have an argument about this. I understand that not all of the things that happen in marriage happen in all relationships, right? Maybe, actually. Because That's the Christian worldview that there's a special couple special perks you get when you're married, but a lot of the world doesn't embrace that. So much of our culture is living as though they are married. And here's the thing. Here's what I want you to know. Think about these, these core characteristics in relationships. Communication, conflict resolution, uh, assertiveness or passivity, avoidance, dominance, uh, how, how, how we use our money, the expectations we have, hobbies and habits, all of these things impact every relationship that you're in. 
So whether it's a marriage or whether it's a friend, whether it's family, whether it's a neighbor or a coworker, these principles are applying to you. And if we don't understand how to work through these things, then we should not be surprised that we have a hard time dealing with these principles in our relationships. And if you don't practice them, you're not going to be very good at them. But more on that in a minute. Let me just pause and ask you this question. I'm pretty sure I know your answer, but how many of you have seen a friend or a loved one who's in a relationship, and for some reason, every other person around them is like, holy smokes, they're making these relationship decisions that are definitely undermining their relationship. And you can see it, and all your friend, other friends can see it, their family can see it, everyone can see it, one person can't see it, that person. Or maybe it's you. Maybe you've had this thought, why does this always happen? Keyword there, in my relationship. Or just once, I wish I didn't have to deal with this. And this, again, isn't just in marriage. This is in our relationships. We see common responses. And when you think, when you, when you understand the same thing is happening in your relationships, what's the common denominator? Yeah, you. So you should pay attention to that. Or maybe here's another one you're like, you know what, I'm not getting married anytime soon. You know, Mike, I'm 14 here, bro. I'm not, you know. No, I understand that. You're saying, I'm not getting married anytime soon, so, so this doesn't really affect, this doesn't affect my future relationship. And to you, I will say, you are wrong. Because it's fun to tell people that they're wrong. <laughs> no. Well, maybe. But anyway... I want to tell you you're wrong because, again, in relationships, if you're engaged in behaviors that are damaging the relationship, then you're hurting yourself and you're hurting others. And here's what I know about everyone here. You don't really want to do that. You don't want to enter relationships to hurt people. And no one is looking for you to be the person that ruins the relationship, So since we don't want to do that, we can all agree that understanding how we can have healthy relationships is really important. Think about the behaviors in your life that you've been embracing, the things that you're getting really, really good at. Could be things like you're getting good at lying. You're getting good at hiding things. Being sneaky. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm working hard on developing better trust with people, even when I do the wrong thing. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I want to be a person of high integrity. And the reason I say that, because whatever behaviors you're practicing now are the foundations of which your relationships are being built, period. And what you're doing right now is how you're preparing for every relationship, including marriage. So, the question for you to ask yourself is this. As you're looking at the people you're considering being around, whether that's a potential marriage partner, someone you're dating, whether that's a friend, maybe it's a you know, shared business partner, 
Here's a great question to ask yourself. Are the people you're hoping to hang around with demonstrating the same behaviors you have or just the ones you desire? Because everyone who's looking for a certain set of, if, if you're looking for someone that's trustworthy, there's not someone out there that's going, I'm really trustworthy. I want to find someone that I can't trust. Where are they? The people you're looking for are looking for the same things you're looking for. So we also need to understand that these behaviors and these principles are not gender specific and they're not specific to marriage. This is behavior 101. And here is something I want us to hear really loudly. You can decide to live in such a way so as not to be the person who's hurting others or the person who becomes someone's regret. Let me just meddle for a second here. Just go back, (laughs) rewind your tape in your head and imagine running into that one X flame that you had in a mall or some public place. Um. Maybe your wife or your husband is there with you or your current girlfriend or boy, whoever it is. And they say to you, oh, I never knew about them. Or you never, how come you never told me about them? Or why didn't that work out with, you, with the two of you? Well, that felt awkward. See, here's the thing. If you flip the script... How many of you would like to be with someone for a long time, say 10 years before you find out a significant happening in, in their life? No one. And so none of us want to have to feel like we are hiding things from our spouses or our loved ones or our friends. Ultimately, what we desire is to be fully known and fully loved. But as long as I'm lying about things or sneaking in things or as long as I'm not being honest or hiding things, I'm not fully known. So I cannot be fully loved. Some of you right now are going, well, great. Thanks for taking me down regret lane, Mike. This has been a great, painful experience, reminding me of the failure in my life. And while you're correct, you can't do anything about the past. What you can do from this day forward is to say from here on, I will not be someone's regret. From this day forward, I will never or I will always, but I won't be anyone's regret. Some of you are thinking, gee, thanks, Oprah. This has been a great pop psychology lesson in behavior. But I'm telling you this because, I'm telling you this because these principles of relationship are not tied only to faith in Jesus Christ. These relationship principles are affecting your relationship no matter what you believe about Jesus, whether you've chosen to follow him or whether you've chosen not to follow Jesus. And so, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I would ask you to take one step, one tiny step of faith, and that would be, can you just hang with me tonight and listen with an open ear to consider Could what I'm talking about be helpful in my relationships, no matter what they are? And and I want you to understand 
that the things, the relationship principles I'm pulling are from God's word. So I'm not Oprah. So what I want to do with the, just the few minutes we have remaining here today, I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about two lies that we have embraced as people. In relationships, we've embraced two lies that are absolutely killing our relationships flat out. And then what I want to do is I want to look at the biblical model, God's version of how to combat It's like the antidote to these lies in our relationships that can give us the successful relationships you're hoping for. And you can answer this. You can raise your hand or say yes or whatever you want to say. Who here would say, I think I would like to improve. I can think of a couple relationships or at least one relationship I'd like a little, do a little better on. Anyone? Right. We all have relationships that we can improve in. And as you're thinking through your quest for marriage, if that's you, or remarriage, if that's you, or whatever it is, these are the same principles that will impact your marriage if you learn how to use them now. So, lie number one. It is the Mr. or Mrs. Right lie. Mr., and it sounds like this. Once I meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright, everything will be all right. Right? Once I meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright, everything's all right. Some of you might be thinking, why is that a lie? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because all of the negative behaviors you're developing and and becoming normalized in the ways you operate in your relationships, we believe that they'll just suddenly disappear when the right person shows up in my life. Or all the parts of my story that I'm ashamed of or embarrassed about or I don't want people to know because they're ugly, they won't matter anymore. And I can just hide that away. I won't need to hide that away. But you will. As a matter of fact, if you believe your answer to your relationships is Mr. Right, you would probably be more likely to engage in those behaviors because of your fear of losing Mr. Right, which is your only hope. Think about this. What if Mr. Wright, you marry Mr. Wright, and you find out, uh uh-oh, that wasn't Mr. Wright? What's the only solution? Mr. Writer. Mr. Right now? Next, Mr. Wright. See, and then you're back into this pattern where you've got this consistent thing that keeps happening and you're the common denominator. So maybe Mr. Wright's not the, not the problem after all. See, and this is, again, this is true, not just, this is true in all relationships, not just marriage. It's true of, of someone who wants to live with someone. If you want to move in with someone, it's true of same-sex attraction. Uh, it's true of dating relationships, business relationships, every relationship. If you're looking for them to be the answer, you're giving away your own right to own who you want to become because you're dependent on them. And then your last, just, I just, just hit me right now. Think about this. If you married Mr. Wright, and this is Mr. Wright's the answer, and God forbid your spouse passes, is God taking the right out of your life? That's a theological dilemma, isn't it? I want to look at a passage here. It's in, it's in Matthew. It's Jesus talking. He says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy and burdened, and I'll give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, maybe there is a Mr. Right. I would propose Mr. Right is Jesus because it sounds like he can make us all right, actually, after all. But I want to read another version. This is the MRV, Mike Rutt version of that same verse, and it goes like this. You've tried all your own ways of controlling your relationships, but it's left you feeling exhausted and disappointed and weighed down. My way leads to the peace that you're hoping for. Would you consider trying it? See, all the stuff of being yoked down and being weighed down in our relationships is a result of trying to do things and carry the burden on ourselves. Or maybe we're pushing the burden on someone else who's not really filling the need that I have. And what do I do? I look at them and I blame them because they're the problem, because they're not meeting my needs. They're not coming through for me. They're not doing what, what I expect in the relationship. And, and the worst part of that is, you know how much control you have over someone else? Zero. So we need to stop looking for Mr. and Mrs. Wright and start becoming Mr. and Mrs. Wright. That I can control. I can change my own behaviors. I can make decisions for myself, and I can't for you. So maybe my better plan is to think about how I can be Mr. Wright or Miss Wright. And while following Jesus won't necessarily help you find Mr. or Mrs. Wright, it sure will help you become Mr. or Mrs. Wright for yourself. Brilliant statement about to be laid down. Get out your pens. Came up with this myself. The person who possesses the qualities you're looking for in a person is looking for a person who possesses the qualities you're looking for in a person. This is brilliant. No one wrote that down. I'll say it again. The person who possesses the qualities you're looking for in a person is looking for the person who possesses the qualities you're looking for in a person. No one thinks to themselves, I'm a very trustworthy person. If I could just find someone I can't trust, that would do the trick for me. And so if you're engaged in the behaviors other than what you're hoping for, you should not expect to find Mr. Right. So become the person you're looking for. That's the Mr. Right, Miss Right lie. Second one is pretty insidious too. And it's called, I call it the covenant lie. And here's how this one goes. That a covenant or a promise replaces the need for preparation. Now we get this in all other areas of our life, right? You've heard this. If you fail to plan, you should plan to fail. Right, we get this. I'm gonna tell you there's never been in the history of all the NBA a person who said, I promise I'm not even in the NBA yet, but I promise one day I'm winning the championship ring. And then never did anything about it. And then it magically won the NBA championship. You know why? Because that's not how you do it. We understand the person that wins the championship has put lots of hours in the gym practicing specific skills and getting better and fixing problems. And eventually they work their way into a championship. 
See, but for some reason, when it comes to relationships, we don't think like that. We're like, one day when Mr. Wright comes along, I'll just promise my way into behaving differently. And in spite of all these other behaviors that I've really ingrained in the way I live, I'm just going to get over it. I'll be fine. I won't do these things anymore. That's a lie. It won't work that way. Pens again, another amazing statement. A covenant or a commitment doesn't make you capable. It makes you culpable or accountable, but it doesn't start with a C. So a covenant, a promise doesn't make you able to do something. It just makes, puts you on the hook. And you know what happens if you've made a promise to do something that you don't have the skills to do? You become miserable. And so does the person you promised. And you hurt that person or yourself or both. And here's what's cool. Those are two lies that are ruining our relationships. We buy into them. But here's something that's really cool. Is that Jesus has a solution for this. The Bible, God's word tells us how we can win in our relationships. Here's what he says. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other. Period, right? No. See, that word, love each other, you're like, oh, okay, love each other, love. Okay, I'm just going to love people. What, what does that mean? Well, here's what's cool. Jesus goes, I'm going to actually show you what I mean by this, and I'm not even just going to define it. I'm going I'm to demonstrate this for you. I'm going to give you something you can look at and go, this is how you do it. Because he goes on to say, love each other as I have loved you. And greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's John 15. So there are three things Jesus Christ demonstrates. And it doesn't wait till you're married to start happening. It can't wait. The first thing is love is sacrificial. What did he do? He laid down his life. That means he puts someone else's rights in front of his own. Being fully God, he said, nope, I'm here for you. I'm going to give sacrificial. I'm going to give to the point where I will literally lay down my life for you. Sacrificial. The second, though, is interesting. We'll talk about what it is in just a second. We find a passage here. Philippians 2 tells us this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Stop. Selfish, me. Ambition, me. Vain, me. Conceit, me. Okay. Not those things, because those are you things. That's not sacrificial when you're trying to get your own stuff. Rather, he says, in humility, which he's about to define, Value others above yourself. Now, so let me ask you a question. Are others more important than you? Nope. We're just supposed to treat them like they are, though. (laughs) See, in God's eyes, he looks at every single one of us, and he loves us all, and he loves us equally. But he says, here's the key. Treat them, make them feel like they are more important to you. And we all know how to do this, right? Just imagine inviting your favorite celebrity over to your house. You'd figure out how to make them feel more important to you if they didn't already feel that anyways, right? But he goes on, he says, 
not looking to one's own interests, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Again, back to, I'm going to give you the demonstration, not just the definition. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own good, his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even on the cross. Sacrificial and humble, which means I put you in front of me. I mean, this is so easy, right? That was a joke. But anyway, no, it's not easy. It's, it's challenging. It's hard. But it's the way we can become Mr. or Miss Wright, rather than expecting someone else to become Mr. or Miss Wright. And again, this is across all relationship principle. It's not just for the married. The third thing, though, is unconditionally. We love sacrificially, we love humbly, and we love unconditionally. Look at this verse in Romans. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This may be one of the hardest things in relationships to do. Unconditional. You know, you know what he's saying here? If I could kind of, again, put my own MRV paraphrase on this. He, he's kind of saying something like this. Hey, when you have a relationship conflict, I get it because the other person may be wrong. But you can go to your grave waiting for them to come around to you and it may never happen. Ever. And you will have missed the rest of your life having a relationship with that person because you're waiting for them. And what does he say? When we were still powerless and sinners is when he said, that's when I'm going to go. I'm not going to wait for you to get it figured out. I'm not going to wait for you to get cleaned up. I'm not going to wait for your actions to change so that I can approve and say, okay, now we can be friends. I am going to initiate. And this is really hard stuff. But every single person in this room says, if it was me and someone was pursuing me like that, yeah, that's Mr. Right. That's Mrs. Right. We're headed to the finish line here, so I'm going to invite the band back up as we're going to transition into some musical worship here at the end. But I just want to share one other thought with you. It's a really interesting verse. Because we like transactional, you know, like ideas. We like to know if then, you know, we're American, so if I pay this much money, I get this. I just want to share one maybe maybe a little bit disheartening tidbit with you, and it's this. Romans 12 tells us this. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Again, if it's in your power to create peace in a relationship, create peace. But here's, here's the disheartening part, that this is not a prescription or a promise that if you do the right thing, someone will respond the same way. 
And it's not only the right thing to do if they respond the right way. It's just the right thing to do, which is really, really hard. And I can hear even myself thinking, oh, but, 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 but. But, but if I do that, but if I, but what about, but, but, but I didn't, but they did, but, but, but. We want to be right. I mean, this isn't fair, is it? Sometimes some people do stuff, and they, they should respond to me, shouldn't they? It's not a prescription. We're all humans. We get to make choices, and regardless of what others do, what others do with this, this is the way I can move into becoming the person, Mr. Wright, that Jesus calls me to be. read this quote, it's a pretty cool quote, by Helen Rowland. I don't know who she is, an author of some sort. I haven't read any of her stuff, but this is the quote. Marriage is like twirling baton, turning handsprings, or eating with chopsticks. Looks easy till you try it. That's how relationships are. When you see it happening right, you're like, that looks so easy. And then you get into relationship, and you go, uh-oh. This isn't as easy as I thought. You guys pray with me. Lord Jesus, we uh and relationships are hard and we're so grateful that we not only have a command to love, but we have the physical demonstration of what love looks like in our relationships. You modeled it for us, you lived it out and you did it as challenging more more than any of us have ever done for anyone else, you did for us. And I just, uh, that example of love is the example that will change this world. It'll change this space. It'll change my one relationship or every relationship I have. And I believe that there are people here, there are people sitting in this room today that say, I have some stuff. I got some people that I need to get right with. I'm waiting for them to become. I'm thinking if I just promise something will change. We know that's not necessarily true. And so we invite you into the space. Make us aware of, a rela- of any relationship that we need to move on. And in as much as it depends on me, I can move into the space to bring healing in my relationships and restore what's been lost or stolen by the bad behaviors or the lies I believe or the things I'm waiting to happen or the secret things I'm letting control my life or the behaviors that I know are wrong that I just think I'll deal with one day. Jesus, convict us and forgive us and let us live as you lived, giving yourself for us. Let us give ourselves for others. We ask this in your name. Amen.